Hey there, before we get started, we wanted to let you guys know that we are nearing the end of season one. We'll be releasing season two soon after, but we'll also be releasing bonus episodes in between seasons, so we you will still have Avatar content to listen to. And one of those bonus episodes will be an Ask Us Anything episode, so please send us any questions you might have about the show or about us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. That's A-I-R Bender, P-O-D, at gmail.com. You can also send us questions on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us there, both at, at AirbenderPod. Again, that's A-I-R Bender P-O-D. Please send us any questions that you have. Since we've only talked about season one and we are a spoiler-free show, we won't be answering questions about anything that happens in future seasons, but everything else is fair game, including questions about, uh, uh, about us <laughs> personally. We look forward to hearing from you. Now on to the show! Light, Light. Dark. Dark. Life. Dead. Dead. Good. Evil. Sand Office. Tyler Strand. Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode and discuss it in detail. We talk about plot, themes, and character development throughout the show, as well as anything else we may notice that's also relevant to what's going on in Avatar world or what's going on in our world. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar podcast. Yep, yep. All right, Tyler, we have made it. Have we? What have we made it to? We've made it to the last episode of season one. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Well, book one. The last episode of book one. Because well, they're not called seasons, they're called they're the books. They're interchangeable, I guess. I, I guess. But yeah, we have made it. Episode 20 of book one. And it is called The Siege of the North, part two. Wait a minute, Sam. Is it related to the episode? Why do you do this bit every time? <laughs> Of course, yes, obviously. It's part two, so it relates to the last episode. Yes, it does. Read the synopsis. Okay. After successfully capturing Aang, Zuko struggles to find shelter on the frozen waste of the North Pole. Meanwhile, as the Fire Nation invades the city, Sokka, Katara, and Yue search for the prince and Aang. As Aang's returning spirit guides them to their location, they save him and return to the spirit oasis, though are too late to stop Admiral Zhao from slaying the moon spirit's mortal form, causing the moon to vanish and all waterbenders to lose their ability to bend. Enraged, Aang combines himself with the ocean spirit, La and obliterates the entire Fire Nation armada. Meanwhile, Princess Yue, who was imbued with some of the energy of the moon spirit when she was a sickly newborn, sacrifices herself to restore it to life. What? Sacrifices her life to restore it. It is the moon spirit. That's poorly worded. To restore the moon spirit to life. As the moon returns to the sky, La releases Aang, though, upon... Retreating to the oasis. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a fucking disaster. <laughs> this is really hard this to read. Is a disaster. Though, upon returning to the oasis, ambushes Zhao, who refuses to allow Zuko to save him and drags the Admiral underneath the surface with him. After the battle's conclusion, Team Avatar journeys on while Zuko decides to call off his pursuit of the Avatar for a while. Meanwhile, in the Fire Nation, 
a young woman receives an assignment from Fire Lord Ozai. Mmm. It was hard. <laughs> that was very long. Like, was- like this episode, this section is long. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. This episode premiered on Nickelodeon on December 5th, 2005, and was written by Aaron E. Haas, who was also the head writer of the show. No way. Sam, this is a really long episode, so let's just jump right into yeah, things. Yeah, let's jump right in. Um, things to know. When Arnuk says some of the faces will disappear from the tribe forever, close-ups were shown of Yue, Paku, and Han. All three of them did disappear from the tribe. Yue sacrificed herself to revive the moon spirit. Mm -hmm. Han unintentionally threw himself overboard. And Paku left for the Southern Water Tribe. He just decides to yeet on out of there. Yeah, Arnok says the faces will disappear. And it's like, whoom, whoom, whoom. And they all disappear. Yeah, it's like what happens like in the Hunger Games or whatever at the end of each day and their like faces are like Jesus. flashed up on them. That's what it should be at the end of the season. It no. should have been like the faces like all glowing like in the sky. You know the last shot in the episode? Can you stop doing the music? I don't think half the people even know what the music is from The Hunger Games. The only reason we know is because we watched it like a month ago. Yeah, we did. Okay. We're already getting really off track. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. In the previous episode, Aang actually talks about how the spirits could help him. Maybe they'll give you the wisdom to win this battle. Or maybe they'll unleash a crazy, amazing spirit attack in the Fire Nation. That's exactly what ends up happening in this episode. Aang, you know, spiritually connects with the ocean spirit and he absolutely destroys the Fire Nation. Yep. The Fire Navy. So John O'Brien did somewhat a good job writing that episode in 119. Yeah, yeah. Um, he knew what was going to happen. The voice of Ko is Eric Todd Dellums, who reappears in The Dragon Prince, which is a show created by Aaron Ehaz. Uh, Jack DeSena is also in that show. Jack DeSena is the main character. Kind of funny watching a brand new show with a brand new main character and just hearing Sokka. Yeah, if you're a fan of the show, you'll be a fan of The Dragon Prince, so yes. I recommend it. Dragon Prince is really good. It's yeah. a really good show. Um, yeah, Tweet and La, the moon and ocean spirits, um, literally mean push and pull in Mandarin. Tweet means push, and La means pull. That's it for things to know. Let's dive that's into what you the plot. On Glee. <laughs> no, not Glee. We're I'm not going to talk about get, Glee. I'm trying to get Sam Why to watch can't Glee, Glee with me. Why do, does Glee have to touch everything I hold value with in my life? Why does Glee have to return and ruin everything? It doesn't ruin everything. It makes it all better. Let's talk about the plot now. You have the first few points of plot. Cool. So we begin where we left off. Aang has gone to the spirit world to find the ocean and the moon spirits to seek their help in protecting the northern water tribe. Uh, Roku leads him to Ko the Face Stealer, um, and he is the oldest spirit that Roku knows of who might be able to help Aang find the ocean and moon spirits. Um, and this sets up the main conflict of the episode, visiting Ko and, you know, trying not to get his face stolen. Ko is able to alert Are you going to do that voice the whole time? Yeah, for the plot. <laughs> Okay. Ko is able to alert Aang that the ocean and moon spirits are in the mortal world and they're actually in danger. And this is actually what brings Aang back to the mortal world to save the koi fish, um, which are the ocean and moon spirits. Meanwhile, Aang's body has been taken by Zuko, leaving Katara, Sokka, and Yue to search for him. When Aang's body returns, they are able to find him and defeat Zuko. Elsewhere... 
aka on a ship, um, Zhao reveals his plan to defeat the Northern Water Tribe. Let's listen to him talk about it. I was a young lieutenant serving under General Xu in the Earth Kingdom. I discovered a hidden library, underground, in fact. I tore through scroll after scroll. One of them contained a detailed illustration and the words moon and ocean. I knew then that these spirits could be found and killed, and that it was my destiny to do so. Zhao, the spirits are not to be trifled with. Yes, yes, I know you fear the spirits, Iroh. I've heard rumors about your journey into the spirit world, but the ocean and moon gave up their immortality to become a part of our world, and now they will face the consequences. Zhao knows the ocean and moon spirits are mortal after finding information in a secret underground library. Underground library? That sounds really interesting. I don't know. Maybe we might see it in the future. Spoilers. That's certainly something that I would like to explore. Spoilers. That's not spoilers. I'm just saying that I would like to explore it. Um. Yeah, obviously Zhao intends to kill, well, first find them and then kill them. Um, yeah, Iroh warns Zhao of this, but Zhao dismisses it as Iroh being very paranoid uh, because of his journey into the spirit world at one point. This hints that Iroh could be spiritually enlightened because he has been to the spirit world before. This would also explain why Iroh was able to see Roku's dragon spirit in the episode Winter Solstice Part 1, The Spirit World. Zhao and the gang unite at the spirit oasis, and the whole ordeal goes down. The moon spirit is killed. Aang unites with the ocean spirit and defeats the fire nation. Yue sacrifices her life. And finally, we see Ozai talking to Zuko's sister, telling her that he has a task for her, implying that she will be important in the future, possibly even the next book or season, however you want to refer to it. Uh, we know that it's his sister because Ozai literally says, your brother Zuko. So we can logically infer that she is Zuko's sister. Yes. <laughs> That's how siblings work. Yes. Siblings don't go one way. I don't know. Do they? They do. D they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you agreed with me, so you can't take it back. No takes backsies. Transition. <laughs> As we've seen from the beginning of the series, uh, when Xiao was first introduced, um, Zhao is very obsessed with how he will be remembered in history. He brings up uh, his destiny um, at an absurdly like many points um, mm -hmm. to kill the ocean and the moon spirits, which we already heard him calling that his destiny. So let's just hear him being a dick in another form. I am a legend now. The Fire Nation will for generations tell stories about the great Zhao who darkened the moon. They will call me Zhao the Conqueror. Zhao the Moon Slayer. Zhao the Invincible! Yeah, I also really like that after that Momo jumps on his head. I'd like because it's what he deserves. Yeah, you were saying how they are not afraid to make fun of anyone in Avatar. Yeah, no. I, I Nobody really like is above, too. like, we see it with Zuko in the pilot episode. Like, mm -hmm. he's this big, imposing figure, and then... He gets hit in the head with the boomerang, yeah, and it's No one is funny. above getting made fun of. Yeah, it's funny. The show is funny, guys. We like Avatar. We, <laughs> Guys, in case you haven't noticed, we kind of like Avatar. I would go as far to argue that it's probably in one of my top ten favorite shows. You know what? Me too. 
Okay. It's in my top 10 favorite shows too. Maybe we can rank our top 10 favorite TV shows later, but. Yeah, maybe if somebody asks us about it. By sending us questions on Twitter or Instagram at airbenderpod or by emailing us airbenderpod at gmail.com. Nice job. Okay. Um, Let's talk about a theme from the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that was really good. This is still on the legacy theme. Yeah. Um, And it still kind of has to do with Zhao. Um, I don't think Zhao deserved like an entire like character point because Mm -hmm. I think all of this kind of does have to do with it's themey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I will give you a quote now, but not a quote from the episode, just a general one. And we'll explain the context later. Enlighten us. Yes. Your own hubris will lead to your own demise. So that's not like an exact quote, um, but that is a common theme in many Greek tragedies. Um, and in case you don't know what hubris is, like I didn't the first like 20 times Sam was shouting it at the screen. Oh, hubris! Um, <laughs> hubris is often synonymous with arrogance and it typically describes behavior that defies the norms of behavior or challenges the gods, the Greek gods, which in turn brings about the downfall of the perpetrator. Hubris often indicates a loss of contact with reality and an overestimation of one's own competence, accomplishments, or capabilities, which, hmm, sounds familiar to me, Sam. Yeah, it sounds really familiar, as in exactly what Zhao has been doing <laughs> this entire season. Yep. Um, he messes with things that aren't supposed to be messed with yep. and um, rightfully meets his demise. He thinks that he is greater than the very forces that control the entire world. Yes. Um, he thinks he can play God and determine which God lives and which God doesn't. And he um, really sees the consequences of that. Yep. Um, his own legacy was ultimately what was most important to him. He wanted to be immortal. He wanted to be remembered forever, so much so that he didn't care if he died. Yeah, it's he cared if he was monologuing about it. Yeah, he literally was monologuing about it. Just like, <laughs> the typical like villain. Zhao, the conqueror. And then Mao interrupts his monologue. Mao. Mao. Momo. Momo. So we were talking about Zhao's legacy, and I think that's very... Um, not parallel, um, contrary to Yue and her purpose in this world, where Mm -hmm. Yue's destiny has become to save the moon spirit, um, which that inherently, like, becomes her legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, What she becomes remembered by, like, very righteously so, I would say. Yeah, and she does that not out of selfishness, um, but rather out of selflessness to save her people and ultimately the world, Mm -hmm. which is the direct opposite of Zhao. Everything he's doing is for his own personal gains and for his name to be remembered. And she did it for everybody else's sake. Yeah. Um, And this isn't really more like legacy. This is kind of more just like clarification. Um, Yue saves the moon spirit, um, but also like becomes the moon spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the moon spirit gave her life. So she is saying that she is giving life back the moon spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is reviving the moon spirit, but also like joining the moon spirit. And Sam, you had a really good comparison to this. We think of it as like the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, the yeah. typical like Christianity. Um, yeah, she's quote. like a separate entity from the moon spirit, but is also the same because yeah. they share a life force. The moon spirit is like the parent. Yue would be like the daughter. The avatar would be like the Holy Spirit, but they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, Yue will always be remembered and immortalized as the moon spirit. Um, but 
also immortalized as giving her life to save not only her people, but everyone. Mm -hmm. So she was once human and now spirit and will be remembered as such. Sam, you said that Yue saved everyone, but how is she saving everyone by becoming the moon? Um, by maintaining balance. Oh my god. That's the next theme we're going to talk about. Do you um, want to talk about that yeah, first? Yeah, I'd love to. Aang talks about the importance of the moon, saying how it'll affect everyone. And for context, obviously, it would have severe effects on our world if the moon just straight up disappeared uh-huh. um, because of gravitational pull and all that scientific shit. But in Avatar, it's less of like a physical force and more like a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to kind of try to focus on that. Um, it is still kind of like relational because in Avatar world, um, the moon is responsible for pushing and pulling the ocean and controlling the tides, similar to how our moon is. Yeah, and without the moon, that means there's no push and pull of the ocean water, and it potentially disrupts numerous ecosystems because I think a lot of fish populations depend on tides for one reason or another, and if a big variable like tides gets eliminated like who's to say what can happen i don't know enough about marine biology to really know but probably if you make a giant gigantic change like that something bad is probably going to happen we can assume i would say so um yeah and so the fire nation itself is an island country and it's similar it's literally based off of japan and it would most likely have an effect on their food and livelihood because we can assume they're an island nation they're probably getting a fair amount of their food from the ocean um and probably depend on it uh, quite a bit so. I mean, they wouldn't have any food. Um, that's just like a kind of reason for like, hey, Zhao, here's why you shouldn't kill the moon because it'll hurt you. No, I don't need to worry about that because my hubris. Yeah. Um, let's pretend for a hot second that Zhao did care about other people apart from himself, oh, which is well, a good joke. Fantasy. <laughs> Fan- really <laughs> talking fantasy let's now. Just, let's just, you know, let's pretend. Let's let's give that a hot second. Mm-hmm. Um, there would also be many effects on all the other nations, obviously. Like, the ocean is a huge part of our weather patterns and how all of that is formed. Um, there would probably be a lot less fluctuation in weather and a lot less storm patterns and all of that. There would probably be less rain. Um, it would kill crops, which means that everyone else would starve too, um, and everyone else would die. And that too can be tied back to the Fire Nation because it's like, hey, Zhao, if everyone else is dead, you won't have anyone else to conquer, and then you'll oh, die no. too. My worst nightmare. So yeah, let's talk about um, l- let's talk about the ocean and moon spirits a little bit more, like them themselves. Yeah, like the, them themselves yeah. specifically. Yeah. yeah. So the ocean and moon spirits chose to manifest themselves as yin and yang, as Ko explains here. Tui and La, your moon and ocean, have always circled each other in an eternal dance. They balance each other, push and pull, life and death, good and evil, yin and yang. Yin and yang is a symbol used in Taoism, also called Taoism. I was taught that it is called Taoism in my pre-modern East Asian history course taught by a Japanese man. So, you know, I'm going to say Taoism because it's not just some white person telling me. Just thought I'd make that significant, you know? <laughs> not like, I'm going to say Taoism because that's what I was taught versus like, oh, well, that's what white people call it. You know, I just, I didn't want that to be a response that we Romanization got. of... I wanted to. A language like Mandarin is very cover tough. All, I wanted to cover all of my bases. Yeah please, yeah, please please, show us how you're smarter than the average white person. I am not, okay? 
I'm not saying I know more. I'm just saying that I took a class. You took a very good history course. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so back to actually talking about things. Um, Yin, the dark half, represents quite literally darkness, um, but also femininity, struggle, and shadows. Young, the light half, represents light, masculinity, passion, and growth. They each have a dot of the other inside because there can never be true darkness without light and there can never be light without darkness. Hence it's the whole, you know, like balance thing. You need yeah. to have one to have balance. the other. We, we need to maintain need- balance in the world. The avatar to maintain balance. Mm-hmm, the balance boy. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar, Why is it called the Avatar? The balance you should just boy. be called the Balance Boy. <laughs> Doesn't matter if the Avatar is a woman. She is called the Bright? Balance Boy. Right? Rename your show to Balance Boy. <laughs> balance Boy. Last <laughs> hairbender. Yeah. Yin and Yang. It's perfectly balanced. If the circle is split in half, you get an equal amount of both Yin and Yang in each part. Yeah. It is literally, it's just genius design. Really. It is, yeah, it really it's is. Genius design, it's very well really. designed. And that symbol was developed probably thousands of years ago. Yes. So, And it's like cut in half. There's no way that you can cut it in half. You can cut it in half from any angle, and you will still get... See, Taoism is like the 13th century, I think. I think it was the Qin dynasty, It, it originated around the same time as Confucianism, because I know that Taoism came about out of a um, like response to Confucianism. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the person who invented Taoism was basically like, hey, fuck Confucian. Everything he said is wrong. Confucius, you mean? Yes. Sorry, Jesus. Um, I think I want to talk about characters now. Sam, we can't. Why not? Because I have to potty. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a break. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> We back. We're back. We back with part two. Part two. Art. Characters. Who should we talk about first, Tyler? I want to talk about Zuko first. Let's do it. Let me talk about Zuko. <clears throat> um, we know that Zuko has obviously gone through a lot. His father has abused him. Um, and he's constantly trying to prove himself to his father, even now, by trying to capture the Avatar. Um, and, you know, Zhao is monologuing, but Zuko has a monologue, too. There's always something. Not that you would understand. You're like my sister. Everything always came easy to her. She's a firebending prodigy, and everyone adores her. My father says she was born lucky. He says I was lucky to be born. I don't need luck, though. I don't want it. I've always had to struggle and fight, and that's made me strong. It's made me who I am. Uh, yeah, so obviously his dad is abusing him. As we see, uh, he literally burns him, mm-hmm. um, which is called physical abuse. Yes. Um, but he's also emotionally abusing him. Uh, yeah, comparing him to his sister and completely stripping away his self-worth. Um, you're lucky to be born. Yeah, that's... Wow! That is a heartbreak. Like, you say that to your own child. Like, exactly. What? Oh, my God. And imagine just how many times you probably heard that. Yeah. Like, yikes. You heard it enough, obviously, for him to be able to recite it. Mm-hmm. Either he heard it once and it made that deep of an impact, or he heard it multiple times and that he mm-hmm. was able to recall it. Um, even though these are incredibly traumatic things he suffered through, 
he doesn't necessarily see them as abusive, even though they are. Um, he sees them as things that he's had to suffer through to make him stronger and make them who he is. So we really, and when I say we, I'm talking about Tyler and Sam here. Hi. Yes, hi. We do this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, we really want to emphasize that no one who has gone through any kind of abuse should be thankful for it or should think that it makes them who they are. No one should have to suffer through abuse at all. However, different experiences do have different effects on people, and this is what Zuko sees as the effect on himself. Obviously, he he has gone through changes, and it has shaped him into um, a person that he describes as strong and you know who he is um yeah. and it's it, it has defining characteristics that other people notice too um Sokka has a line that um really stood out to me actually if we know anything it's that Zuko never gives up they'll survive and we'll find them yeah because this is right after Zuko saying it's made him strong and it's made made him who he is and he's right like Zuko is determined and Zuko doesn't ever give up and um Obviously, like, that has made an impact on Aang and the gang as well. hmm Yeah. Speaking of Aang... I was gonna do that. <laughs> I was gonna do the transition. Yeah. Speaking of Aang, um, let's talk about Aang. Yeah. So Aang values all life above literally anything else. He is willing to save Zuko as compared to him just, you know, just leaving him out in the blizzard to die. I think it could be argued that Aang is like... Paying Zuko back, I'm doing the air quotes right now, for saving him in the Blue Spirit. But Aang already saved Zuko in that episode. Yeah, you know? saved him from the, the, the soldiers. Yeah, like, so I don't them. think Aang is really paying Zuko back. I think he's just doing what's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Aang chooses to save Zuko because it's obviously the right thing to do. Like, you can't just leave someone dying out in the in the blizzard. Like, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, even though Zuko is constantly trying to capture Aang, he doesn't believe that he deserves to die, which I think is... I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I think that's valid. It, it's, that's totally valid. Yes, that's, that's what we got on From Aang, Aang to Iroh. Oh, I was going to say Iroh. <laughs> not how you say it. <laughs> At least not how we say it. No, it's Iroh. We have seen from both Zuko and Iroh that certain situations hold priority over what should be deemed their ultimate goal. Uh, Zuko puts finding his uncle over finding the Avatar. We saw that in episode seven, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zuko also puts finding the Avatar over obeying his own banishment. We saw that in episode eight. Um, Iroh puts helping Zuko over his loyalty to Zhao and mm-hmm. could be argued the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that in episode 18 and 19. Yeah, this episode really shows us a new side of Iroh. Um, he's pu- putting the balance of the world over the importance of the Fire Nation's success. Um, he believes in the importance of the spirits. He's a very spiritual dude. Yeah, and he's willing to go as far as to threaten Zhao about that. Like, yeah. I mean, like, that could be seen as him advocating for the Water Tribe, right? Like, that is not that is not a good look for Iroh. That is, like, betraying the Fire Nation, I guess. And he literally attacks Zhao after Zhao kills the Moon Spirit, which is most definitely treachery, yes. I would say. <laughs> yep. He also sides with the gang in protecting the Moon Spirit. Um, treachery? Yeah. Maybe? It's almost as if the Fire Nation would call him a traitor. Iroh is 
a traitor, and your brother Zuko is a failure. I have a task for you. It's been hinted to all season, but we see that Iroh is a great firebender. Yeah, like, he literally takes out, like, four or five Fire Nation soldiers. Like, Zhao has his little, like, gang where he's like, hey, be my backup posse while I kill a spirit. Yeah. And Iroh just, like, takes them all out. Yeah, within seconds. While he's doing it, too, Zhao looks at him with fear. It Mm -hmm. is intense. He takes him out within seconds. Literal seconds. Seconds. Mm-hmm. We see, too, how much Zuko has grown as a person to Iroh. He no longer sees Zuko as just a hot-headed kid anymore. He actually sees him maturing and becoming more complex. Uh, and let's see a direct callback line to the very first episode and compare it to the very latest episode. I'm going to bed now. Oh. Yep, a man needs his rest. I'm surprised, Prince Zuko. Surprised that you are not at this moment trying to capture the Avatar. I'm tired. Then you should rest. A man needs his rest. They're quite literally bookending this, aren't we? One from the very beginning, very first episode, and one to now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about Iroh and Zuko's relationship in the last episode, but... Yeah. That's really good. It means a lot. That's so good. It's almost That's just good writing. This show has really good writing. It's really hitting me, Tyler. It's it. It's hitting me how good of a writing how good writing that no, I'm not gonna cry, but like it's hitting me. Zuko's development hitting me. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. I think we need to go. I mean not just Zuko too, but like Iroh as well. You know? We need to go into verdict before I have a breakdown. Okay, let's do it. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back and we'll go to verdict. Okay, Tyler, it's time for us to do the verdicts part of the episode. Sounds good. Tell me who your favorite character was. My favorite character was Aang. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really liked how he was willing to save Zuko. I think that says a lot about him and his character. Yep. Um, and I'm sorry, I cried when he entered the Avatar state and like merged with the ocean spirit. Okay. <laughs> That was not an emotional moment for me. But it hit me. It really hit me. It, it's a powerful moment. Also, like, the score I am just in that thinking moment about really the good. score right now and thinking about how like the whole like visuals come together. God, like this would be so much better as a YouTube video because we could show all of it together. But like as a podcast, we can't just like play the score because that's like weird. You don't get to see all of it. But like, oh my god, if I could do a video like reaction of me like reacting just to that moment, I would be sitting there sobbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm, was that was a big moment. Something tells me. me we're gonna get more episodes. I had sobbing. a Twitter thread for a while of every single time I cried at Avatar: The Last Airbender. It was book three specifically, but yeah, that was one of them. Damn. What? Who was your favorite character? My favorite character was Iroh. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. No, you really shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so, yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. Why don't, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit? About I that. respect that dude so much. Um, I really love that he's a father figure to Zuko. I mean, we see that in the last episode. You know, he thinks of Zuko as his son. And I love how he is true to his mo- own morals and own beliefs. Like, he's just like... You can't mess with the spirits. That is wrong. And he actually backs that up by saying, Zhao, if you do anything to that spirit, I'm going to bring it upon you tenfold. And he follows through. The The dude knows his morals and acts upon them. And that is super, super, I respect that. 
a huge amount. He's also just a good character. Yeah. Like he's just he's just great. We are dude. really seeing him, him develop, especially in these last three episodes. Absolutely. I mean, he is willing to basically forfeit his place in the Fire Nation. You know, he is seen as a traitor now. The Fire Lord himself knows, sees him as sees him as a traitor. Mm-hmm. So and for him to stay true to his morals and stay true to Zuko and stay by his side, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. I love Iroh, and I loved him in this episode. I think that's very I think that's a very good explanation. Well, we've done the character portion of the episode. Now let's get into verdict territory. Damn. What was your verdict? Why don't you just take a fucking guess? It was a 10. <laughs> like, yeah. I considered this, I tried really hard to consider this as its own episode and rate it individually. Oh, you can't do that. Well, even when I did, it's still a really great episode. It still was a 10 for me. It's a 10 when paired with the first one, and it's a 10 when it stands on its own. You know, the Mm -hmm. last episode I gave an 8 because individually it doesn't really stand alone that great. But if I paired this the second, the last episode, Siege of the North Part 1, with this one, I would I would give it an overall 10. Because the way it builds up throughout that entire first half, and it just kind of, like, has this big moment that is still compelling, and, like, each episode has their own little, like, climax to them, but they kind of just build up to this huge moment at the end. It's, yep. it's such a satisfying end for book one. It, mm-hmm. it is the perfect way to end this this book, this season. Um, we talked about how the first episode was a perfect way to start. It was the perfect pilot. And I am saying that this is the perfect season one finale. Mm-hmm. Sam, what did you rate this episode? So I was actually going to rate it lower than that. But then I really, really thought about it. And like, I think it's super impressive that this episode ties up literally every storyline in a mm-hmm. satisfying way. Yep. It's very impressive. Yep. It's fantastic writing. Like, we see Iroh's arc. We see Zuko's arc. We see Aang growing as an avatar, mm-hmm. you know, combining with the moon spirit, not the moon spirit, the ocean, ocean spirit, spirit yeah. to wreak havoc on the Fire Nation, and he gains more experience in a spiritual manner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it It's just fantastic. It's so cathartic. It's... So satisfying. It, it It's fantastic when you can watch an episode, a season finale that is still open-ended enough for obviously things are going to happen in the future, but also being so cathartic and so satisfying that you're like, ugh. You just sit back after it's over and you're like, wow, that was a spectacle. I was originally going to go lower because I didn't think it, like it doesn't really wow me, but mm-hmm. I think I'm just kind of spoiled because yeah, the writing in this show is so me. consistently... <laughs> great that I think it's just a feat in itself to create a finale that is that cohesive mm-hmm. and that just bookends the season quite literally perfectly. And it really, really hit me at Iroh's line. Like, I'm surprised you were not at this moment trying to capture the Avatar. Mm-hmm. And it's a direct call callback to season one. It's like, mm-hmm. these writers are thinking about this series as a whole. Yep. And, ah, it's really good. Yep. It's a 10. I, yeah. I didn't actually say the score. It's a 10 out of 10. Oh, it's absolutely okay. a 10 out of 10. Cool. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Really is. See, I disagree with you. This episode really wows me. Like, even thinking about the score and, and combining with the ocean spirit, like, it moves me. <laughs> moves me a lot. It, it's really good, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't get me like other episodes in the series get me. Mm, well, you're wrong. No, it's just my opinion, actually, so I'm not right or wrong. Mm, your opinion's wrong. No. 
Okay, I think we're done. Let's do credits, yeah. Well, that's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with his production company, Son Event Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you join us next week. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful to us. It helps more people find our show. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show and share the show if you like it. If you want to get more involved with our Avatar content, please feel free to reach out to us, send us questions about the show, fan theories that you may have, uh, what you thought of the episode, something we mentioned that you liked, or something we didn't mention that you wish we would have talked about. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet us or follow us on Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R bender P-O-D. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. I'm Sam Albus, the co-host and co-writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam underscore Albus or on Instagram at Sam Albus. My last name is spelled A-L-B-U-S. That's all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we will, (laughs) but it won't be the next episode of the season because the season's over. It'll be a bonus episode. Oh my God, it'll be a bonus episode. We still got it at the top of the episode. Yay, we did it.